You are listening to the Teaching Little Brains podcast with Sarah Nikaruk, episode 23. Hello, teacher brain. Firstly, I need to apologize. I forgot. I, we came up to my parents' place and I forgot my good microphone at home. So I am trying to make do with my phone. So I hope the audio is okay. And I have been working on my perfectionism for a while. And so I'm going with my new power statement that it doesn't have to be perfect. It just needs to add value. And I always strive to add value. So I'm going to run with that. Um, So this will not be perfect, but it will be valuable. So now that school, the school year is over and summer is upon us, how have you been spending your time? Have you been reading, relaxing? We've also been able to open things up a little bit. So are you visiting relatives, um, doing puzzles? Are you a puzzle person? And what kind of puzzle person are you? Are you puzzle resistant? Maybe you're a puzzle enthusiast. Maybe you're a casual puzzler or an only on special occasions puzzler. By the end of this episode, I hope um, to turn you into a master puzzler. So it's sort of become a Christmas family tradition for us to attack a fairly decent level of difficulty puzzle for the holiday. We like to choose ones um, with small pieces and or like repeating patterns. We like a challenge. We also have a five-year-old, so there's a bit of a balance, but she's really good at puzzles. Um, But we also have this sort of habit of declaring when we've attached the proper piece, like uh, by like putting it in and then and then tapping on the piece a couple times, Um, fishing for recognition in the form of a a good job or a well done or ooh you got that piece. Good for you. And my daughter is the best at delivering these accolades. She's so sweet. She gets really excited whenever someone experiences any kind of success. And like I said, she's also scary adept at puzzles for her age. And she always has been. Like when she was, she was not even two. I don't even know. She wasn't even talking yet. She had some animal shaped puzzles that were only like a few pieces each. And they, you know, formed the shape of the animal when you put them together. And she quite easily and quickly mastered them. So she decided on her own to turn the pieces upside down and mix them up to challenge herself to see if she could put them together upside down. <laughs> it's like, it was crazy to watch. Um, actually, it's kind of neat to observe our collective puzzle doing habits. I'd love to like film like a in time lapse from above as like a study in human behavior or something, because we all take on these different roles and have different approaches to how we tackle the puzzle. Like, so there's a common understanding um, that we start with the edge pieces. And I learned from my dad early on that you're supposed to um, (laughs) group the like section or like color pieces together. And I like to do that in the general area they'll be going into the puzzle, but outside of the edge rim of the puzzle if your table's big enough because it can get awfully clogged up in the middle if you leave all the pieces inside the border. But as progress is made, people sort of drift in and out and around away from the puzzle. Um, My dad kind of hangs back watching hands off until he thinks he has identified uh, a piece that fits and then he like swoops in and goes and goes for it with the with self kudos and like an elbow pump. Yes. My mom parks her chair at the table, wine in hand, and talks to herself as she plugs away, elbows out, um, semi-oblivious to what others are doing around her, and hijacking the picture on the box, 
actually we've learned now to scan and print an extra copy of the box image so um, we have two copies to work from so that's handy and in fact some puzzle companies include an extra copy which is super genius um, and it, it's always like a good time to ask my mom for a treat because she'll give like an absent-minded, sure, sweetie, like completely focused on the task at hand. And she'll also be the last one at the table at bedtime. I think it totally eats her to leave it unfinished overnight. Um, my husband will come by only when everyone else has vacated the puzzle doing table and quietly tap in a few pieces not gloating or needing reassurance or accolades from his for his contributions it's actually pretty disgusting how not boastful he is I don't even know how long how he survived this long in my family like unscathed and uncorrupted my brother offers what he thinks are witty comedic quibs or hilarious sarcastic comments about what others are doing and what will work and then he works in spurts between naps. Um, it, but being of a very logical and mathematical mind, his approach is much more methodical. And I think he goes for shape. And I'm somewhere in the middle. I find great satisfaction in finding where the tricky pieces fit, especially when others can't. And I'm actually pretty good at that. And I can spot um, like the exact location of the piece in my hand by holding it up to the vision on the box, like the, the image on the box and, and carefully like examining all the minute details. And none of these approaches is better or worse than the other. It's just interesting to observe how each individual chooses to take it on. And in the end, though, the puzzle gets done and it looks just like the picture on the box. And that's the goal, right? Like that's the end game. That's what keeps us motivated and pushing on when all seems lost and we're convinced that the company made a mistake and gave us all, gave us the pieces to another puzzle by accident or on purpose just to mess with us and sometimes it feels like we'll never get there sometimes things get heated either internally in ourselves or between us with you know when we disagree on where a piece should go or how to put it in and in those times, too, it's interesting to observe how different people respond. So some of us walk away from the table and come back later with fresher eyes. Some curse and mutter under our breath and refuse to leave the table until that one damn piece is located. Others patiently scan each piece around the table with laser focus. You may find yourself relieved, um, gently or not, of the piece in your hand if someone has found the place for it and you're quote unquote hogging it. Or you might get a guiding question or suggestion or, or coaching on where your piece might go. And it's all part of the, the fun, the adventure, the journey. If the picture on the box is our destination, all the things that happen along the way make up the journey. So it's this puzzle uh, analogy that I like to use when coaching people through what we call vision priming. Vision priming is like backward design, which teachers, we are very familiar with this. Um, in fact, our curriculum is laid out that way. Each overall expectation is prefaced, prefaced by um, the words, by the end of grade, whatever students will, and then the expectations come. So by following the neuro model, from thought to feeling to belief to decision to action to result, in very real terms, we become what we believe. We also know that our beliefs loop automatically in our subconscious and that 80 to 90% of our actions and thus our results are dictated by our subconscious beliefs. 
So we become what we believe. And vision priming is the process by which we set up the vision ahead of time so that we are consciously making decisions and taking actions to move us toward that which we want and priming it through a simple step-by-step neurocoaching process into our subconscious so that is what it seeks out rather than letting our default take us wherever it may. And one of my new favorite quotes, and I'm not sure who said this first, but if you don't know where you're going, you may not like where you end up. So vision priming helps us set the destination that where we end up and it keeps us uh, it keeps it squarely in our sights conscious and subconscious and puts our brains to work for us to help us get there thanks to our reticular activating system which we have learned about throughout the various episodes of this podcast. So how do we do it? Well, first we need to create that picture on the puzzle box for our brain. It's a picture of the future, and it could be at any point. You could do next week, next month, the next 90 days, um, a year out, five years, 10, retirement. Choose a time. A lot of people have multiple visions, so we might have a short-term, a medium-term, and a long-term vision, or you might do this for different areas of your life. To create that picture on the box, we need to see it vividly. Now, It doesn't mean seeing it as like a visualization necessarily. Some people can easily visualize things in their mind in pictures and others struggle with that. And if you do have trouble visualizing in clear image, something that sometimes works is imagining it on a movie screen as if you're watching it from the audience. But for others, it shows up more like in flashes of images or thoughts or through some other senses, like maybe a smell or a sound. And since coming up with this puzzle box analogy, I have found it works for me to imagine that I'm actually like painting or drawing the image on the box as it appears. Or you could try like a mental canvas, whatever works. So for some people, it's more the feeling that resonates with them. And the feeling actually is super important. It's like the core piece of the puzzle, the most valuable piece, the MVP, if you will. Without it, the puzzle cannot be completed. So it's like that darn last piece that disappears. The dog took it or it fell under the table or, you know, it ended up in your daughter's play purse or whatever it is. It's like that if you don't have the feeling, if you don't have that last piece, the vision won't be complete. So we create in our minds and bodies with as much detail and texture as possible. Like think of all the senses Ask yourself the five WH questions, you know, where, uh, where are you in this vision? Who is there? When is it happening? Etc. And really tap into the feeling of being there. What do you feel in that space? Insert yourself into the image and take a deep breath and soak it all in. What are you feeling? And by feeling, remember we went over this from in episode um, 17, I want you to describe the physical experience in your body. If you say, I am elated, what is happening in your body? What does that feel like in your body? Um, I'm looking up at the sky. I feel the warmth of the sun on my face. I have a wide, peaceful smile. My arms are outstretched to the sides and my heart is light. I feel happy tingles all through my body like that. That is what your brain needs. Remember, 
Your brain does not know the difference between what is actually happening in your 3D reality and what you show it vividly in your imagination over and over. It is the thought and feeling combined that creates the belief, not the holding it in your hand. So show it. It will start to go after all the things you painted on that box. Now, once you've sat with it in your mind and really detailed it down, created that beautiful vision, next you want to write it down. And in episodes five and six, we talked about the benefits of writing. So writing, like handwriting, like with a pencil or pen and paper, not typing, engages a different part of your brain. It pulls things out from your subconscious into your conscious brain. And on top of that, the physical act of writing strengthens connections and helps you visualize even further by adding uh, word-based visualization. (laughs) I just made that up. Like, so your brain is seeing it when you write it out and then it reads the words after. So you write it all out just as you imagined it with all the details and feelings included. And with that, you're going to then read it to yourself out loud as often as possible. You're also going to record your voice reading it and play that recording for yourself as much as possible. That again does something in your brain to engage all, all another different part. So you can do that like in the car or on a walk. The best times to listen to your vision priming is um, the times when your subconscious brain is most receptive, which is when you're drowsy. So first thing in the morning and the last thing before you go to sleep. And also interestingly, after exercise. Sometimes I play it during my workout. I I mute the volume on my my video workout and I play my Vision Prime instead. And then I'll do it again after it's done. Um, I mean, it doesn't take up the whole time. So um, you have to interrupt. That's a good excuse to stop my workout and, and press pause. But anyway, there's some super interesting brain science around why this is. But I'll spare you the nitty gritty. It just it has to do with darkness and melatonin in part. Anyway, in listening to your vision and reading it over and over, you prime your brain. You activate your RAS, your reticular activating system, to start finding evidence of the pieces to your puzzle. And then you start seeing how those pieces fit together. Then you take action to put them into place. And the incredible part is that a lot of this will happen without much conscious effort on your part because your brain is going to automate this and take the bulk of bulk of the workload off your shoulders, right? So remember, we tell it over and over and it goes, okay, I've heard this a hundred bajillion times. I'm just going to run this on a loop because it's costing me energy to think about it every time. And there it goes. So you'll be, you'll be like plugging along, picking up puzzle pieces, looking at them, holding them up to your vision, the picture on the box, and seeing if and where they fit. We only want to keep the pieces that fit with our vision. Some of the pieces will not fit right away and they'll belong to a different section of the picture that will come further down the line as you work toward that section. Some of the pieces will fit quite easily and you'll hardly even notice they got in until you step back and scan the puzzle and you'll have a moment where you suddenly realize how close you are to getting your, your vision done. And that's kind of what happened to me. I did this process um, in January when I learned about it. And before I knew what was happening, most of the pieces had been put in place. And I just kind of stepped back and realized it was finished. And I needed to, you know, design a new puzzle box. 
And actually, if you don't mind indulging me for a second, in the show notes and on my um, Facebook page, I have linked to a voting page where I'm in the running for some like super exciting um, prizes, including some one-on-one coaching time with my incredible neuro coach, Dr. Shannon Irvin, that I am dying to win. I just, I know how much this could help me move my mission along with teaching little brains and also help the little brains. Um, and, and I'm thinking of all the ones that could benefit from it. So I would be so super appreciative if you could follow the link and vote for me, please. Thank you so much. I think it would, oh, I'm just, thank you. That would really, really help. So we've got our vision image on our puzzle box. We're working away at putting the pieces into place to bring it to life. And here's the thing with puzzles. We don't open the box, take one look at the pieces and start freaking out (laughs) that like we don't have the right pieces. We don't know how the pieces, how many, you know, if we have all the pieces we need, we don't worry about which one to pull out first or pick one up and stress about when we'll be able to put that piece into place or which way it's going to face. No, we just like we dump out the pieces, we spread them on the table and we start. And if you're lucky, sometimes there are already a couple pieces, you know, connected together. And in my house, we look for the edge pieces first and we get those sorted And, and you'll have your method and you just plug away. And it's the same with your vision, it, like the exact same. If a piece doesn't fit where you thought, you probably, um, you don't, you know, call yourself an idiot or a failure or worse, berate yourself or cry. You don't make it mean anything about you or about your worth as a human being. You understand that it's probably just not time for that piece yet and it will come later and you don't stress about when. You don't look at it constantly and think, yeah, but when is it going to piece? When is it going to fit? Like 10 seconds or not until tomorrow? When? What if it never fits in? Like we don't do that with puzzles, but we sure do that with life. And, and why? We attach meaning to the things that are neutral and we connect them to our worth as human beings. We don't trust. We internalize, quote unquote, failure. We are so hard on ourselves. And if you think about it, in doing a puzzle, failure would just mean not getting the right piece in the right spot at the right time. That's it. You put it down and you you try another piece that does fit now and you save that other piece for later when the time is right for it. And you may need to try four or 10 or 30 pieces or just turn that one piece around and in, in that spot before you quote unquote succeed there. It's not a big deal. So now in, in building your vision, you want to stretch yourself a bit. It should make you feel uncomfortable. But it should also excite you. Um, you know, there's this moment when you you crack the box of a thousand piece puzzle and you see the mountain of pieces and you get a flash of like, whoa, that's a lot of pieces. <laughs> and it may be accompanied by a whoosh of like nervous, excited, you know, butterflies in your stomach or um, heat through your center or maybe even like a touch of doubt. But then... You take a breath, it passes, you tap into the excitement, you hunker down and you get to work. And you keep that vision of the picture on the box at the forefront of your mind. And you know you're not going to complete that thousand piece puzzle in one afternoon, but you also have a rough idea of about how long it will take. Not a year, 
not a month, probably, maybe a week. And what happens if you're not done with that in a week? Nothing. You just keep going. Like, isn't it amazing when you think of it like that? It kind of takes all the pressure and overwhelm out of it, right? We get so attached to our vision and our goals that if we don't make them or achieve them, we start like saying horrendous things, but we make it mean such negative things about ourselves. When really, what does it mean? If you don't finish the puzzle in a week, who cares? You just keep going. Like you're not going to give up on that puzzle. You don't want to give up on your vision. That's why it needs to be meaningful and um, powerful to you because and you have to be able to see it so clearly so that you don't give up on it when things get tough. So create your vision. Make it whatever you want. Have fun with it because here's the scientific quantum truth for you. Every version of reality, every vision you have in your brain about what your life can look like is of equal likelihood and availability to you. You can have whatever you want. You can make it happen. Your thoughts create your reality. You are the creator of your thoughts. So you can create any reality you want. And you have been doing this already, maybe without even realizing it. Like, have you ever thought about going on a vacation and then a few months later you find yourself on that very vacation? Have you ever craved a cookie and then found yourself leaning over the sink a few minutes later enjoying said cookie? Well, let's break that down. So you're sitting on the couch. Your brain presents a thought to you of yourself happily eating a cookie over the sink. Now, It will also likely present additional or alternative thoughts, mostly negative, like an image of yourself bulging out of your bathing suit or the image of your disappointed children when they discover that last cookie gone or a voice saying you promise not to have snacks after 8 p.m. But here's the wonderful thing. You get to choose which thought you want to keep. Okay, so you have this vision of your future self eating the cookie because your current self is actually parked on the couch in front of the TV. You haven't gotten up yet. So you have this future vision of yourself eating a cookie in your brain. Now we follow the process. Thought, myself eating a cookie. Feeling, you feel a rush of desire for the cookie or even better, you you imagine the feeling after you've had it. Oh, it will taste so good. Oh, I'll feel so fulfilled. I'll feel satisfied. Um, Then you believe you can have it easily because that's a quite easily believable situation because you've probably done it before um, that and you believe that you're worth it or whatever it is then you decide to eat the cookie so then you take action you get up from the couch you walk to the cupboard you get out the box of cookies you remove one or ten you go over to the sink and bam you are living the future vision you had of yourself just moments before you have literally stepped into future you The same goes for the vacation scenario. So you envision yourself on this vacation. You see it in your mind. You internalize the feeling of being there, um, the feeling that you'll have sitting on that beach. You can smell, feel, feel, hear, taste the margarita. Then you decide and then to go. Then you take the actions of booking the flights, the hotel, the activities. And before you know it, You're in that recliner chair on the beach, enjoying the margarita, just as you had envisioned it mere weeks ago. You've again stepped into future you. Now, in our 
space-time reality, the 3D reality we live in here, it takes time to move through space. So that is why you can't just instantaneously be, instantaneously be eating the cookie or lying on the beach or complete the puzzle in reality 3D with your senses. It takes time to move through space to do that. But let's say you've come back from the vacation a month later and you ordered a photo book of all the great shots you took there and it arrives in the mail and as you pick it up from the, from the post office or the mailbox, your mind takes you right back to that beach. You don't have to wait. You are instantaneously transported back there. And in planning that vacation, you transported yourself there in your mind's eye, imagining what it would be like in the future without having to wait or move through space. That is the time-space realm, where all things exist in equal availability and opportunity. All time is available at all times. <laughs> like You can access the recent or distant or um, past or future from the present. You don't have to move through space to get there. There's no delay. You can pull out anything you want at any time. You can literally have anything you want in your mind. And if you work through the model and believe that it is possible, you can also have it in your 3D reality. So you are now what you have believed in the past and you will become what you believe now and in the future you get to choose now i just took her on a trip speaking of trips um, i want you to notice what thoughts are coming up for you when you hear this notice with curiosity and fascination your brain will present all kinds of thoughts to you probably ones of doubt or negativity because remember it is working to keep you in the safe and familiar whether or not that safe and familiar serves you and it has a negativity bias nine to one but you get to choose which thoughts you accept and that will determine your future you are completely in the driver's seat or painter seat if you're rolling with that puzzle box vision analogy. So what do you, what future are you envisioning for yourself? And what thoughts, feelings, and beliefs do you need to have to become the p master puzzler to move you there, to put the puzzle pieces in place, to turn your vision into your reality and step into future you? You have been listening to the Teaching Little Brains podcast with Sarah Nicorak. If you do have a moment, please consider casting your vote for me and Teaching Little Brains through the link in the show notes or my Facebook page. I would be so very grateful for you, as I always am so very grateful. Have a wonderful week, Teacher Brain. Bye for now.